Welcome to APQC's podcast. I'm Holly Lycoglan, Principal Research Lead for Process and Performance Management. I'm joined today by two of my colleagues, Jeff Barney, PPM Lead and Director of Advisory Services, and Rick McCarthy, the Director of Open Standards Benchmarking. Today, we're going to discuss one of the great debates in the process space, capability versus a process. So what I want to start with is defining what is the difference and what is a capability and what is a process. So at its simplest, you can look at it this way. Processes are how the organizations achieve things. The trick of why they're defined that way is because they have a verb-noun combination, indicating they are an action. Capabilities are typically described as what the organization does. Again, the trick is how they're structured. They tend to have a noun to a verb, or even just a noun, which indicates they're an object or a what. Um, Another kind of big difference in that we've seen um, is where changes happen. Capabilities are typically considered part of the organization's structure, and don't change very often, Well, processes are a little bit more malleable and change to support the execution of capabilities. So I want to get both of your opinions on this. Um, Jeff, how do you define a process and a capability? Thanks, Holly. Uh, Just like you've said, I think process focuses on the work that's getting done. Uh, Work however it's performed, is it can be represented by a process. So it describes the steps, the flow, the interactions that occur to get to some outcome, uh, output and outcome. Whereas the capability is really, to the, the, again, to what you said, it's the skills, competencies, the resources we have in order to do the work. So if we think about processes, how we get it done, the capability is how, what we do to get it done, so to speak. It, it fits very well. A couple of real quick uh, alignments I often do between process and capability. The first is we tend to manage our processes. We apply our capabilities. If you think about it from a training and development, we train people on the flow and interactions within our processes, and we train them on the, the skills and competencies of our capabilities. So those are a couple of ways to differentiate them. The final one is if you think about how do you measure a process versus measure capability, we measure the performance of our processes and we measure the capacity of our capabilities. So that helps to differentiate the two, but ultimately they both work together. They can't be separated. So I think those are great points. Thank you, Jeff. Um, Rick, how do you define a capability versus a process? Well, those are really good points uh, that both of you use to define both process and capabilities. I mean, obviously, we can think of a process as a series of interrelated activities to produce an outcome. So it's the way we do things. It's it's what we do. But the, the most important thing that I think Jeff was also saying was that our capabilities really differentiate us. So any company can put together a series of processes to deliver results and outcomes, but it really gets down to you know, what are the capabilities within the organization? You know, using the delivery models and systems and tools and knowledge and the way people work together that can really make a difference for an organization can really be defined uh, as their capabilities. Excellent. Thank you. Well, and then there comes the big question of, so why are we talking about this topic right now, right? So there's often we've seen through conversations with clients and, and other folks that there's a little bit of a tension in, in some organizations between a capability and a process, which one should be leading or, or they're in conflict for resources. Um, sometimes you see that between the fact that capabilities tend to be aligned mm-hmm. with either strategy or IT and enterprise architecture, whereas processes tend to be a little bit more focused on process management and the business. Jeff, why do you see that there's tension between these two topics? 
You know, it's interesting, and it's it's some of its preference but and perspective that an organization chooses to take. Now, you can take one or the other, but as I said earlier, you can't separate them. They both exist. So on, on the side of process, um, we can go back, you know, decades and say, um, from an IT perspective, they recognize that they needed to understand the business processes. What is the work you're trying to accomplish, and how do you want to actually perform that work so they could then do the technology enablement? Um, and through time that evolved and some people took the perspective of, well, tell me business, what are the, the capabilities you need? And I can show you how I can technology enable the capability. Ultimately they come together and become the same thing. Um, and so while there may be contention, we often find that if you recognize the subtle variations between the two, but work them together, it's a, a much stronger solution. If I'm a process-centric thinker, I still have to say, what are the capabilities I need in order to properly execute and perform the process as designed? And that may be new technology. It may be trained resources. And maybe I have to go and hire people or buy other tools and equipment in order to properly execute the process. And inverse, if I need a capability to do research or to do manufacturing, I still will need then structured processes so I can do it in a consistent and measurable way to get the outcome I want. So they have to coexist, but people tend to think one way and they don't recognize they have to really integrate both together. And that's what causes a contention. Um, you know, I'm a process guy. I'm a capability guy, which is first. They don't have to be first. Pick one, do both. When I think that's oh, a Holly, point. I want to add to that. Yeah. Sorry about that. I didn't mean yeah, to interrupt you. <laughs> Is it some, I could see that the tension can come in to where people don't want to pay attention to or don't want to go down to the nth degree of developing a process framework or process understanding of how the business works is that they want to hire capability. They want to build capability. They want to have teams full of capable people. And they say, I mean, I know I've heard, you know, quotes by Jeff Bezos and um, Steve Jobs who said, you know, forget process. I'm just going to hire really smart people and let them do their job, you know, but, and that may create some of the conflict. Is that, okay, well, we're hiring really capable people. We have, you know, a capability model of how the organization is supposed to be structured and how it's supposed to work. But, you know, where do you, how do you resolve conflict? And that's one of the things that I, I think that process is really good for, is um, for conflict and, and performance improvement. You know, so it's one thing to have a good understanding of, of capability and hiring really smart people. But when it comes to figuring out how to get better, you really have to break it down to the granular and sort of scientific approach of, a measured process and current performance and, and how things are working. So like really, Jeff said, I'll just compliment on what Jeff said. They really work hand in hand and which one came first. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, and just to build on that real quick, Rick, I think you touched on a good point there. And that is that um, if you hire great people, they can find a way to do wonderful things. And you have a capability within your organization that is people centric. But what if those people leave? What if you need to standardize? What if you have to scale and grow and extend that to more people? And, and you can't always find the right people. Process drives structure and consistency over time and a, and a foundation for more continuous improvement. And so, again, they work together um, and, and they really are successful you know, skills for every organization. Well, Jeff, one of the words that we want to throw in there is knowledge management, right? Yes. It, it enables us to have institutional memory. When we have yes. our process framework set out, we have our RACI charts aligned to them. We have, you know, our definitions of, of how processes work and who does what in the functional flow diagrams. You know, that really gives us that, that institutional memory. So knowledge management. Great. Thank you both. So then you kind of both alluded to this a little bit, but 
how are they different in an organization and, and how are they the same? Oh, that's an interesting one there. Um, <laughs> you know, we've touched on that all along through the conversation yeah. here. Um, you know, the, the key is that, you know, if I put a manager hat on, I want to understand the, the capabilities that my team requires and that it currently has. And I can do workforce planning, et cetera, around the capabilities that exist. Um, but I also have to understand whether or not I need structure and consistency in the processes we perform. And if I have highly capable people that cannot perform it in a structured process-based fashion, that may be oil and water and the team loses its functional ability there. So while they look at it through different lenses, ultimately the expectation about what I need as a business leader is the outcome. They both contribute to outcome and strong process, world-class process without the capabilities that make that process work fails. Okay. World-class capabilities without process that gives me the structure and, the, and the, the reliability so I can forecast and meet objectives also fails. Um, except in the rare instances where those people are exceptional we're, we're, and it's a culture of heroes if you only have capability and it's a culture of bean counters if you only have process. But the, what we want is the combination of the two. And throw in there consistency, right, Jeff? I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, um, there's a large overlap. If you were to look at a Venn diagram in terms of process and capability, there's a large overlap. One of the things that we try to control uh, better is, you know, the outcome of the process and, and have a consistent outcome. Um, so it's, it's really reliability, repeatability, consistency that our processes enable us to achieve. Yeah. And just building on it, you can have strong capability and unstructured process in some parts of our business that's very effective the innovation and some of the r&d and other things where we need high levels of creativity and agility but Absolutely. where we need the consistent six sigma production quality right that goes out the window we still need the capabilities but now we need to manage it much more tightly to ensure the outcomes so again different parts of our business need more of one than the other Jeff, really good point. You know, so many times I've been sitting down with groups, you know, talking about the, the, the benefits and, of, of doing process management and putting together our process diagrams and really, you know, unpacking what happens in a process. And there's always that, you know, well, don't tell me what to do step by step. I need to be creative. I need to be innovative. I need to be entrepreneurial. And my response to that is always to say to them, yeah, that's why we want to do these things. You don't want to be rethinking payroll. You don't want to be rethinking how you do your accounts or, you know, accounts payable, accounts receivable. You don't want to be thinking about all the standard repeatable processes that you do day in and day out in your business. You don't want to reinvent those, right? So we want to have consistency there. But, you know, whether you take it into, you know, strategic capabilities, you know, strategic processes, operational capabilities, operational processes, what we want to do is we want to make sure that the things that we do day in and day out, that don't need to be innovated on are consistent, right? Then that frees our managers and our capable people up of, you know, thinking more strategically, thinking more innovatively, thinking more creatively. So really good point you made there. I said to add on to that, I mean, that goes into where that granularity is going to vary in the organization, right? Um, some areas that are, are much more knowledge flow, uh, knowledge worker processes or things that have high level variabilities for a reason you're going to simplify those processes and keep them standardized at a higher level than you would for, like you said, those transactional things that don't take a lot of thought. Um, those things that are manual or, or go over and over and over again. And 
honestly, a lot of times we end up looking at them as for potential automation um, because they don't have a lot of value add. Um, but the point then is, yeah, you have to have that consistency. And But you also, as some people struggle with it, so we're going to standardize everything down to a level five in a framework, but you don't necessarily need to do that either because that, again, gets you, you caught up. Um, all right. So I think was, the last thing I had actually was like, I always look at them as like the chicken and the egg. They're very, very similar um, because capabilities look at people, process, technology in a lot of ways, right? So that's, that's the foundation core of enterprise architecture is those three things. Process is the backbone that the rest of that stuff gets built on. And then good process or good BPM includes people through, like you said, the races and the sidepocks, the inputs, the information. Um, the process, again, kind of leads the way for us, but we're a little process biased here. Um, and then on top of that, you need to apply and understand what systems and applications are associated with all of those processes um, to be able to do everything effectively. So, all right. Well, the last question I have for you, gentlemen, um, and I'm going to pick on you, Rick, and start with you, which is how does the PCF work with the idea of capabilities? And you, can you use that process classification framework to help with your capability mapping? Sure. Yeah, that's a good question, Holly. And, you know, the PCF is a process classification framework. So immediately you'll think, you know, it's just associated with process. But when you look at uh, the PCF or, or a framework, and you look at a capability model, they kind of look similar at a 10,000 foot level. You know, you're gonna be seeing uh, an outline of strategic, strategic processes and strategic capabilities, operational capabilities, operational processes, supporting capabilities. You know, supporting capabilities would be like HR management. Does that exist within PCF? Yeah, you bet it does. You know, so you're gonna see both. There's gonna be a large overlap. So your question around, does the PCF work with the uh, work with the idea of capabilities? Can you use the PCF capabilities mapping? You know, it gives you a starting place, right? And so with, I mean, obviously with the way Jeff and I have been talking about the large overlap between process uh, and capability, um, it's certainly a good place to start. And I'll just add to that, Rick. Uh, we have had some organizations where they came to ABQC and they said, we, we need a capability model why can't we just adopt the PCF and call it capabilities? And they were able to do so very effectively. Um, the, it doesn't change the fact that you've got both. Um, we've had some organizations that, that we've sat down and they decided that level one and level two of the process framework would be replaced with the capabilities at level one and two. And then level three, four, five became the processes, activities, and tasks. Because again, they have to fit together. So it, it's not a one or the other. They are interrelated, as you said, Holly, and there are ways that you can leverage a structure. The key is that there has to be a structure, a framework or a set of frameworks that are, are aligned and integrated that give some foundational structure that everybody can now connect and discuss around and ensure that regardless of whether you're trying to develop people skills or you're trying to in technology enable a, a capability or you're trying to redesign a new workflow that can drive towards new you know automation um, you still are working on the same pieces and you still have to connect to the people the process the content the technology in order to get to the outcome that's going to be effective for your organization so um, you know, there's lots of ways to, to leverage the framework uh, with comp, uh, the capability models that are out there. And it's just each organization needs to pick one is the key. If you've got everybody talking differently, it, it, it's a messy kind of situation. So 
um, over time, you need to pick an approach and then follow it. You say I've seen a lot of people use the framework then as kind of the process uh, library yep. for building out their capabilities. So they'll use it then to identify what processes are associated with the system, what processes are associated with the, the roles. Um, we see more and more people then also using it for things like data, meta tagging, which data points are associated with, with which processes. And then layer that on top of it, you know, we've seen other people use it for like flagging GDPR, which processes have GDPR issues coming out of it, which processes have compliance or regulatory associations with it. And all of that information is kind of balls up then into that capability. Um, but like you said, you have to start with a common language somewhere and a common set of processes that you're going to use to build out all the rest of these things. Agreed. Agreed. Sounds good. The other thing that, that your listeners might confuse, though, is um, the idea of process capability. And that's a whole nother discussion, Holly. <laughs> this is true. All right. Well, that'll be another future podcast when we'll get together and talk about process capability in the future. <laughs> We might have to have video with that because there's a lot of explaining to do there. <laughs> All right. well, well, thank you, uh, Jeff. Thank you, Rick, both for the great conversation and the insights. Um, thank you all for listening to this APQC podcast. If you like what you heard, subscribe to APQC podcasts and visit apqc.org to learn more. I hope you all have a great rest of your day. <laughs>